Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 5 episode titled Reality Bites. But first, we need to catch up on the news. Supergirl has halted production due to the coronavirus pandemic. The following is an official statement from Warner Brothers Television Group. Quote, with the rapidly changing events related to COVID-19 and out of an abundance of caution, Warner Brothers Television Group is halting production on some of our 70-plus series and pilots currently filming or about to begin. There have been no confirmed cases of COVID-19 on any of our productions, but the health and safety of our employees, casts, and crews remain our top priority. During this time, we will continue to follow the guidance of the Centers for Disease Control, as well as local officials and public health officials in each city where our productions are based, unquote. So, Morgan, what do you think about this? It just kind of feels like we are currently living through the beginning of a, like, a zombie apocalypse movie. It's it's just, it's very strange. It it's is. Very, like, every day. And I, I think what kill like, what has been getting me is just, like the speed at which this has all happened. Like every day I am um, last week for at work, we were all had got, had one day to pick to work from home. And so I picked Friday cause it was like the only day I didn't have meetings. So as I was packing up on Thursday, I said like one of my coworkers, I'll see you next week. And I had a feeling as I left that I wasn't going to be back like this week. And I was right. Uh, and now we're like, you know, working from home for the foreseeable future question mark i think the other problem is like no one knows when this is gonna you know when this is going to like resolve itself and so i yeah i i understand like it's a it's a it's a smart and responsible thing that they're doing to like shut down production until you know until question mark um but it's it's a shame because i think that they were almost done with the finale like, I think that they were nearly finished filming for the season. They they had to have been close because we only have 20 episodes now for season five. And we are uh, going to be talking about episode 15. So, I mean, they're usually like a month, month and a half ahead. So, yeah, they 
they had to have been close. It's funny. We had a live stream we we did right before recording this episode, and we were joking about whether or not we'll ever find out who's the head of Leviathan, or if like next season they'll just come back and they'll be just be like, "JK about the Leviathan things, guys. We all good." It is going to really <laughs> be something if we get through the season, and and it it's. It abruptly stops, and we will never find out who the head of Leviathan is. I feel like it's going to be like a like a writer strike situation, like a <laughs> two thousand seven writer strike, where like all these all these seasons of all these shows just kind of stopped abruptly and like just lost episodes and like lost storylines and stuff. Like I like, are they going to go back and finish filming the finale? Like what could be like a, maybe a month or so later. Or, or is it just going to end on, like, like a cliffhanger, like the penultimate episode or something? They're going to be like, <laughs> we'll finally find out who Leviathan is. And then it's like, dun, dun. Like, it's like a, a shadowy figure begins to walk out and then, and then cut to black. And then that's it. Comes back for season six and they've got, like, a new storyline. They're just over it. <laughs> I propose, if that happens, if we do not find out who the head of Leviathan is by the time that the episodes run out. Because I guess they're going to just air the episodes they already have in the can and then whatever is left they just don't do anything with so if that happens we don't know who the head of leviathan is i say supergirl radio and our listeners i say we write a little story and we (laughs) we answer that question ourselves like we come up with the answer i'm really committed to the uh the scenario that i pitched on our live stream which is that leviathan is um is lena luther's mother who never actually died i think I'm, i stole that idea from a listener <laughs> but then she's like but it's but it's lena luther's mother who never actually died as played by katie mcgraw in a wig <laughs> and then and she's like she's like mom and she's like yes it's me and she's like but i never told you about your sister nasty and then out of another corner comes katie mcgraw in a different wig playing nasty luther her long lost evil sister i love that idea so much and i think if 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 this happens if this is the scenario that we're going with at the end of season five i think we should write a script or at least a couple of pages where that scenario happens where we get that reveal that Lena's, you know, uh, thought dead mother is actually alive. She's the head of Leviathan and Nasty Luther comes into the show. I think we should take that pitch, create a story of it. And then I think we should do a live reading of it where people act out the parts. I, I, I just, I think we need to do that for ourselves just for closure. If we don't get closure, we're not going to be okay. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be okay. So I think <laughs> I think we need to find a way to bring closure in case that doesn't happen. So that's my solution. So we'll just see what happens. Maybe, maybe by the time the episodes air from what's left, maybe they will reveal it at some point. Uh, but we only have, what, five episodes left? So uh, who knows how many we get to see. So it is unfortunate, but I think the studio uh, and, and the, the production folks, I think they've made the right decision. Because not only does this protect the cast and the crew of all these shows, but it also keeps them from possibly spreading it to other people if they did, um, if they were carriers of this virus. So I think it is good to take precautions. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll we'll keep you guys updated on what goes on. But it sounds like this is across the board for all the Arrowverse, Arrowverse shows. 
um, and it it impacted many other TV shows. So uh, we're all in the same boat <laughs> if you watch all those shows. So uh, yes, it is a strange scenario that we are all experiencing. This is a strange, unprecedented time that we are living in <laughs> right right now. Yes, uh, but maybe we can make it uh, have a happy ending uh, with the introduction of uh, Nasty Luther. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a silver lining. That's Nasty Luther. <laughs> maybe we can make that work. Okay, well. Um, Hope everyone in the cast and crew stays safe and healthy, and uh, don't don't worry about us. We're over here with our little fan fictions. Y'all just stay safe. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should get talking about this week's episode. So here is the official description of Reality Bites. Quote: Mia's roommate Yvette, guest star Roxy Wood, is attacked by a man targeting Dreamer because he doesn't like that Dreamer is transgender and wants her to quit being a superhero. Determined to protect her community, we'll, t we'll, we'll talk about that word in a second, from additional harm, Dreamer refuses to give into his threats and put puts herself in the line of fire to stop him. Supergirl stands by Dreamer and enlists additional help from Brainy. Meanwhile, Alex, Jean, and Kelly attempt uh, to rescue a man stuck inside a virtual reality escape room, unquote. Dang, that was a long description. Description writer went uh, uh, overboard. The description writer got to really like, I just imagine her like cracking her knuckles and being <laughs> like, I've been reined in for too long. As she like just starts going nuts on the keyboard. She's working from home so no one can stop her now. <laughs> oh, They're like, man. Veronica, you have to do, you have to make these smaller. You can't stop me. She, uh, she like, X's out of all the Skype chat messages. Just submits it. <laughs> What are you gonna do? Fire me? Um, yeah. So I, uh, sometimes Veronica, our um, the the description writer in our heads, she sometimes will do like one sentence uh, descriptions. Yeah. This one, she really she got in there and really really described the episode. Uh, so what she did not discuss in the description is the thing I think we should uh, address first. Because this is a monumental <laughs> thing that has happened. And I think we should really um, take some real care in how we discuss <laughs> this topic. So at the end of this episode, the big thing they decided to drop was the off-screen death of one <laughs> Jeremiah Danvers. Oh, let's pour one out for Jeremiah Danvers. <laughs> He's, he was out there in the woods for so long waiting for Alex to just even try to find him <laughs> <laughs> turns out alex if you snooze you lose so morgan what what are your thoughts about this because i i was i was astonished for so many reasons so i'm very curious what you thought i might have like scream left when it happened because it was just like i legitimately never expected them to bring up Alex uh, Jeremiah Danvers again I thought Jeremiah Danvers was one of the Supergirl forgotten those forgotten characters who have come into our lives meant so much to us never to return again like like um not Cat Grant because they still mention her occasionally but like Maxwell Lord who doesn't exist anymore <laughs> in this reality or um Lucy, Lucy Lane. Lane yeah 
who who whose sister has showed up and yet who has never gotten a single mention post season <laughs> one. Uh, there's been like a lot of characters and like plot lines and things that have come and then have gone and then never returned. And so when Alex told Jeremiah Danvers, like tearfully, don't worry, I'll find you. <laughs> Uh, that was her like rose from Titanic. I'll never let go, Jack. Moment <laughs> where like she then immediately like pries the memories of Jeremiah off her arm and then like tosses them into the into the drink. <laughs> like she's like goodbye. <laughs> and then she kind of just spent the next couple seasons, you know, just chilling out, like tackling a new job, dealing from <laughs> dealing with a broken heart, thinking about adopting. At no point did find my father <laughs> wandering. <laughs> The woods uh make it anywhere onto the upper section of her to-do list so in some ways that got checked off <laughs> <laughs> she had a lot going on i kind of feel like yes this is uh, to kill off a character off screen in a phone call not great <laughs> admittedly not great uh but i honestly never expected them to m i expected jeremiah danvers to be running through the woods, hiding in bushes for the rest of our time uh, covering this TV show. So the fact that they remembered him even briefly enough to kill him off screen, I was a little impressed. I was like, oh. But I liked the idea of him still being out there. I, I, I almost wish they hadn't killed him off screen just so that we would still have that that little kernel of, a, of an idea that he's out there somewhere. So I have so many issues with this. Uh, I do think that killing off a character off screen in a phone call with another character who was off screen, like Eliza apparently is on the phone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but she's not even there. We don't even get a shot with Helen Slater on the other side of the call. That is so lazy to me. I just, I could not get over it. This is the the father of one of the main characters and the adoptive father of the lead character of the show. This is someone whose death should have really had a big impact on the characters in the show. And I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that if you're going to kill, kill a character of this, I mean, it, I think to the characters, maybe not to the show, but to the characters, Jeremiah was very important. At some point, Alex did think her father was important. Uh, <laughs> maybe not as much now. It's been but, a while but it has been a while but this was a character who was important to the characters and i think that should have been something that was that had a little more uh care and weight to it and so i think that's really really unfortunate they didn't bother to set it up in the story a death a death on a tv show should be foreshadowed i'm a firm believer in foreshadowing deaths uh, there was no nothing that led to that in this episode to, you know, in the season. We don't know who the they is that Alex says found him. So we don't know <laughs> who found him. We don't know where he found him. We don't know how he died. It's also a huge waste of a potential storyline for Alex. Like that could be a whole season of storyline for Alex that is just gone now. Like Every potential storyline related to Car Car and Alex's family is gone. Even if they were going to kill him off screen, which, like, 
it's not always the ideal way to kill off a character, but if you're going to kill a character off off screen, like why didn't you, why didn't we have some lead up to it? Like why didn't we have maybe an episode or two of Alex being like, now that I'm unemployed from the DEO, finally have the time to start searching for my dad, Jeremiah Danvers. And just like, you know, seeing her wandering out in the woods somewhere, you know, looking under like one single leaf or something, or, you know, just <laughs> doing anything to like, you know, if, if it had come on the, the heels of some other, you know, he was in the story at some point, there was something, you know, maybe they were looking into some other, you know, some other case and Jeremiah's name came up. And then, so she started remembering that she had a father and that she was supposed to be looking for him and had done some like, you know, gumshoeing, and then finds out that he's dead. I think that has more impact if you're not going to have him die on screen. You're not going to play that out. At least make it connect in some way to the story that you're telling. It's It was like an afterthought. Like, somebody in the writer's room was like, hey, did we ever get around to killing Jeremiah Danvers? And somebody was like, no, but we got like 30 seconds in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I think that would have been a better better way to handle it because Alex is trying to figure out her life after the DEO and she's kind of helping Jean do some investigative work. I think that would have been a cool storyline for her to be like, I've got time now. I've, I've got some some uh you know flexibility in my schedule now. Yeah, I'll go look for my dad. And then she gets all these clues and then she finds out that he's dead. Yeah, he can still die off screen, but at least she had some motivation and some uh, interest in the death that occurs. And it's also, it it allows it to be an Alex storyline. Like, yeah. even if, say, they were working on one of John's cases and something pops up related to her dad, and then she follows that clue... So you don't have to have her suddenly interested in her dad after like two years, but she follows that clue and she's like, oh, I'm finally going to find my father only to find out that he's, that he's dead. Like that's a big emotional storyline for Alex where she's like, maybe she's in denial. She doesn't believe it because, you know, because it didn't happen on screen. <laughs> um, but, but she gets to have some like some meaty storylines where she's do when she's being an active participant in the story. Like she's driving the story forward. She's looking, she's investigating, she's having a hard time dealing with it. In this case, it's, it just kind of passively, it's something that something that passively happens to her. Like she happens to get a phone call that tells her her dad's dead. And she's just like, Oh, and it seemed like in that scene where she tells Kara that it was supposed to be more impactful to Kara, I guess. I don't know. It yeah. didn't, it didn't seem to be as more focused on Alex um, but yeah, I think you could still have that same off-screen death, but at least make that something of a storyline for Alex. That I, that I would have been a little more okay with, because at least at least there would be something driving to that death. And then you could even you don't you don't even have to have Dean Kane come back. You could have his body under you know or his body in a this sounds morbid. But, like, his body in a body bag. You could play it season one Supergirl with Superman. You could just have his boots sticking out of the bottom of the screen for the whole, like, you know, the whole scene where she, like, maybe talks to him or something. Like, you, you, there are way, clever ways to get around that for when you can't get an actor back. Like, pe the TV shows do this all the time. I'm thinking of, like, uh, I think I had mentioned this on, like, probably on the live stream or something. But there was uh, the TV show Luther, um which is this show that Idris Elba, who is a fantastic actor, um, leads. And so in one of the seasons of the show, it's 
a lot of the season revolves around a character's death who died off screen like between seasons and it's about him like investigating this character death and like yeah yes i thought that like having a character die off screen between seasons was a little cheap <laughs> but by making the whole like season be about his quest to find the truth like at least you, it becomes an uh, an emotional story arc where it's not just like oh whoops someone died i mean maybe they will be doing that with alex in the next couple episodes we don't know but it seems like next week alex is gonna somehow you know be supergirl i'm guessing in the vr but it's also like and i'm gonna have this issue with a lot of this episode which we're we're episode 15 of a 20 episode season there are introducing a lot of elements that should have either happened earlier in the season like like how how much time is this alex thing really going to have to breathe when you have to you still haven't resolved the lena thing you still haven't resolved the lex thing you still haven't resolved the leviathan thing and all of that stuff has to has to get wrapped up in the next five episodes which we know is probably more likely to be four uh like it's just it's throwing a lot of stuff like is there really going to be a lot of time for alex to to grieve or to even have feelings about this before they have to like get on to like wrapping up another person in tinfoil to put them in the (laughs) vr i don't (laughs) like i don't know i fear that next week's episode again i have no idea but i I fear it's gonna be alex going into the vr to escape her reality of her father's death and then it's gonna be one episode done Jeremiah will never be mentioned again. I think that that's probably pretty accurate. And my guess is even within that episode where she's going into the VR to escape reality, it's probably going to focus more on her like being in the VR than her like dealing with her feelings about her family. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd be even surprised if we saw Eliza Danvers. I would be shocked if Helen Slater came back. It doesn't feel like it's easy for them to get Helen Slater. So it feels like she's a sometimes use for them. I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I don't get the sense that the show is interested in telling Danvers family stories. I After season yeah. three, it seems like that went away, which is weird because in season three, like Midvale was one of the best episodes of the show Such a they've good ever done. Fans loved it, and it seems like if it was me, I'd want to tell more of those stories, but it seems like they have really decided, made a like a conscious effort to move away from that, which I think is unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. I think that like the Danvers family stuff is so strong, especially the, the stuff with the sisters. And even that, I feel like we've had a way less of like Alex and Kara, like having sister kind of storylines like they're you know they sit on the couch and they eat a pizza and they talk about their day sometimes but like I feel like we haven't had like a a storyline that kind of dives into their relationship in a in a while yeah so it it makes me sad that it seems like the show is not interested in that anymore so I think that's uh the the Jeremiah Danvers off-screen death is I think really indicative of that so I just I thought we should attack that first uh, because we here on Supergirl Radio uh, had 
many conversations about Jeremiah Danvers. So funny because like as soon as that happened, all I saw were like a bunch of tweets that were like, they listened to the podcast <laughs> because I'm sure that we're only the like one of the only people who remembers that Jeremiah Danvers existed, that he was out there in the forest all alone for all those years. <laughs> he was in the bushes with the twigs. I think if they did listen to the podcast, I that's really mean if they did listen to the podcast because <laughs> I think we would wanted I think we wanted to see him again. I mean, does it not a little bit feel like maybe we have angered somebody on the show? <laughs> think about this. They killed they killed Dan Jeremiah Danvers off screen. Snapper never snapped. <laughs> we never got to see James's under desk situation. Or Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen. Or Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen. There's no director bones. <laughs> They foil us at every turn, Rebecca. <laughs> uh, if we have offended someone, we're very sorry. We're very sorry. And, and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that Nasty Luther is a great idea. <laughs> and that... <laughs> don't, don't take it out on Nasty. <laughs> Please. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So we've gotten that, that elephant in the room out of the way. <laughs> I, I thought we should, we should go ahead and get that first. I feel like for our podcast, that was the, that was the big moment. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like other people, wa the, the rest of the audience watching the show was like, who? <laughs> Cause it had been so long since anybody had even mentioned him. <laughs> Yeah, if you did not constantly joke about Jeremiah Danvers in the wood, you would you would not remember uh, him at all. So that is unfortunate. So we'll have to see how the uh, falling out uh, to his his off screen death is. Um, but I guess we should talk about other aspects of this episode because <laughs> there was a lot going on. Uh, so Dreamer uh, slash Nia had a big uh, episode this week. Um, it was mostly, I would say. I would say the A storyline was the Dreamer Nia stuff and uh, her roommate Yvette who was attacked by someone she met on Upswipes. Upswipes, which is a um, which is a Legends of Tomorrow thing. Oh, is that in the that's canon in the Arrowverse? I did not realize. Yeah. Oh. Upswipes is a is a Legend of Tomorrow joke where instead of like swiping left or swiping right like you would on Tinder, you swipe up. Oh, interesting. Okay. I laughed a lot when I saw that. I was like, Upswipes is made, but, you know, the, the universes have condensed. So, oh, that's so true. now Upswipes is a thing that the poor the poor citizens of Earth-38 have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> well, that made, uh, I, I kind of thought Upswipes was uh, jokey and stupid, but now I'm kind of liking it because it has, like, you know, uh, an importance to the, the, the universe. So uh, that's cool to know. Uh, maybe I should have known that since I listened to the podcast. <laughs> well, it was funny because it's the first, I feel like it's one of the first times besides, you know, little Bebo um, Easter eggs that I've seen anything from Legends, like, <laughs> make its weird way out of that show and into a different show. <laughs> so I was like, Upswipes? <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, so what did you think about the the Dreamer Nia aspects of this episode? You know, I really liked the the her storyline I thought it was really good and like very powerful I thought Nicole Maines and what what is Yvette's uh Roxy Wood Roxy Wood I thought that they were both really really good in this one like Nicole Maines was really good like going from being like excited to go out to being like really like heartbroken that her friend got hurt to being very angry and to having that anger in her like and I feel like it's a very 
I feel like it's kind of a very quintessential superhero storyline that she got this week, which is like the um, very kind of Batman-y storyline, which is like you're you're going after the the villain, but you're going too far, and somebody needs to bring you back. It's like um, it felt a little arrowy, like you know, at times where they were like on Arrow, where they were like towing a moral line, where you're like, hey, dude, I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. <laughs> uh, so. So it, it does feel like we get that we get that storyline a lot in superhero shows where it's like, what's the line where you go too far? Like, what's the line where you become indistinguishable from the people that you're fighting? Um, and I think for me, the placement of this storyline in this episode in this season felt a little bit like a little off. Like we're deep into the season by now. And like this episode as much as I liked it for like the Nia stuff. And I think that honestly, I think anytime there's a big Nia episode, I'm happy because I think she's a good character. She's a fun character. I like learning more about her. I think Nicole can really like, can really handle an episode, really like be the, the center of one. But I feel, felt like this far into the season, like shouldn't we be somewhere further with our main storyline? Like we got, the, what we got in our main storyline was some weird VR stuff, and then like old lady Margot wrapping <laughs> a dude in tinfoil and putting him away with the leftovers. It was very strange. It was like very. I was. I like was like, is this where we are in the season? Like, th- there's been almost no. I feel like the problem is not this episode, but is like, this episode is kind of indicative of the the full scale of the season. Like, this is an episode that I would have really loved early in the season, you know, where we're just kind of setting up the themes of the season. We're setting up where things are going to go. If this this was in the first half of the season, I think it would have worked a lot better for me. Or if it was even last season, like when Nia had been introduced and we were like learning more about her because like, she's kind of been around for a while at this point. Um, Whereas like last season, I think it would have worked like with her, you know, being a new superhero and kind of like being new on the scene and people like learning more about her. I feel like having somebody who was hateful, who was reacting to that sudden presence of her on the scene would have made more sense last season versus this season. Like this season we're like episode 15. I have no idea what's going on with Leviathan. It's a right now. I know uh, it's an old lady uh, wrapping up her leftovers, and then there's pencil skirt uh, flirting with Lex and getting chocolate peanut butter ice cream. And somewhere <laughs> off in a corner <laughs> in VR land, Ramakan is selling his Ramakan's Rama wine while sitting, on, <laughs> while sitting on his porch looking out across the Napa Valley. He's like, oh, hello there. It's me, Ramakan. Uh, <laughs> While off in a different corner, like, Lena is uh, maybe mind-controlling people, but she's still just, like, really mad at her friend, her friend Kara, and she's just kind of stomping her feet over off in a corner, but, like, not much is going on with that storyline. Have no idea where my girl Hope is. Hope she, uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope she managed to, like, figure out a nail file situation and just got herself out of prison. Like, we still, we still don't know what's going on with, like, Lex and, like, what his ultimate planet, like, why he cares so much about taking down Leviathan, the air quotes biggest villain they've ever seen. Like, we have, <laughs> we have all these storylines that are, that have been around for the entire of the season that have in my opinion not really gone anywhere like yeah. they take one tiny baby step forward every other episode and so 
to get this far into the season and to have like a character specific centric episode isn't bad, but it's also like the part that was supposed to be moving the storyline forward didn't feel like it moved the like the overarching storyline forward that much. And I also felt like usually when they have like a character specific episode, like the one with Nia last season where she like went back home and uh, like a spider bit her mom and killed him yeah. somehow randomly out of nowhere. That was a great episode though. That was a good episode. It was a great episode, but it also kind of like it fit into the themes of the season. It fit yeah. into the themes of what was happening around it. Uh, and the other storyline that I can remember in that season didn't feel like it was uh, tacked on from a different show. Like to me, these two storylines felt like they were ha- they could have happened in different episodes. Like if you like remove them apart and put the VR stuff in a different episode and the Nia stuff in a different episode, I don't think I would have missed those two things being together. I don't think that they necessarily like tracked thematically even like I get that sometimes like you're like, Oh, I want to tell a good character story, but I also have to move along the store, the season plot. But usually you can find like a bridge between those two stories and in this case, I don't know what the bridge was that connected these ones. It's kind of like they, this happens a lot on Legends, especially this season, where it's like, yeah, there are a lot of story. Like, there's like two or three storylines in, in this episode. All of them could have been in completely separate episodes without, you know, really mixing much. Yeah, I agree. I think by this point in a season, I think you should be driving. We should be driving towards you know the the end point I, I think we should be in the home stretch of the season everything should be going towards that end point and it did sort of feel like this episode stopped a lot of that because it it sort of redirected to think about something else and I also agree that I think this would have worked better in season four because you had the children of liberty who were uh, a group of people who uh were very violent in terms of, you know, they disagreed with something, but they used violence to express it. So that this, this guy who I thought was like a one note, one dimensional stereotypical villain. And that's kind of one of my problems with this episode is that, I mean, I guess they didn't want to give like the villain a sympathetic background in this one, but it also felt cheap in a way for me because it, it just, there was it was one of those episodes of Supergirl where it was very one-sided and I I think that that sometimes doesn't do the story uh, uh there's no benefit to the story that I I don't know the the one dimensional dimensional aspect of it felt lazy to me I guess is what I'm trying to say that they didn't even bother to try to like craft this guy because usually with the villains on Supergirl you get a like a character story out of it. Like last week we had that lady with the pink energy and we knew all about her husband and his uh, delving into the VR and sort of what drove her. So I, I think there, there there's probably a story you could have told with him, but I guess because they didn't want to make him a sympathetic character, they didn't go that route, which I totally understand. But at the same time, it just, a lot of it felt very lazy. But I think that you could have put this in season four where Nia was introduced. They also dealt with Maeve and how she struggled with a lot of this stuff. I just think like this guy could have been a member of the Children of Liberty. This would have absolutely been the right storyline for season four. Like it's a season four. And I think that's probably why when I got done the episode, I was like, I feel like nothing happened because it's like, I feel like this was a season four storyline that 
was on the board for season four and they they never got to it and then they were like oh let's do it now um but it just doesn't fit into this season as well like dreamer's been around for a while uh you know she's been you know kicking butt and being in you know being visible and so i mean i guess like maybe they're making a point that like no matter like what good you do like there's still always going to be people who don't like you for some aspect of your you know your identity um but it just felt like that like that kind of storyline where it's all talking about you know dislike and like distrust of the other and all of that kind of stuff was a season four theme and so that would have gone great in season four I have to say, like, there were elements of this storyline that were good. I thought I thought some of the the interplay between uh Nia and her roommate were were excellent. I thought especially that scene uh at the end where Nia's trying to be like, you know, why why are you quitting your social media? Don't don't give up. Like I thought that scene was great. Oh yeah. I thought that and I thought that like um what Roxy I forgot her last name already. Wood, Roxy Wood brought to that scene was so good. And it was like, so like, it was very real. I thought the acting in this, um, in this storyline definitely was like just phenomenal. Um, and when she's saying to like Nia, like I'm, that's it. Like all I wanted was somebody who was going to accept me and care about me. And like, basically this guy turned it into a joke, like turned like in, like turned me into a joke and like just taking the assault aside and like, so I'm just going to delete myself. I'm not going to deal with all this. And Nia's perspective, which is like, they're trying to silence people like that are trying to silence your voice and you can't let them. And you have to be, you know, you have to be loud and you have to like live your truth. And that's like the way to inspire other people to live their truth. I thought that was very powerful messaging and like, obviously a very needed storyline and, and very good representation. Um, and I thought that they, they both did like a, a great job in that scene because it's so, it's so understandable. Like, obviously this is a, this is a thing that happens, unfortunately to transgender people, um, specifically uh, trans women of color all the time, which is so, so sad, which is that they are the victims of violence a lot. But I think even a lot of us, you know, sometimes we'll get, you know, mean comments or someone will say something or someone will jump all over you and you think, well, never mind, I'm not going to try anymore. Yeah, or even just the basic connection of rejection. She put herself out there. Yvette was excited to meet this guy in person that, that they'd had this connection and then it turned out that it was false. It was fake. It was made up. So even if, you know, I can't relate to the transgender part of that, I can relate to that as you know, uh, uh, you know, a person trying to make connections with people like that and finding out, oh, well, that was that was not as real as I thought that was going to be. So I can totally understand some of that. So I, I can connect to it on that level. So I think there were some parts of the storyline that were great. The things where I thought it sort of fell apart to me a little bit was <laughs> some of the times that we've talked in the past about these topical episodes of Supergirl where they're trying to make a point and then sometimes they they do things that sort of negate the point they're trying to make. I sort of felt like they did that here and it's basically based around the fact that the bad guy here, he doesn't think that Dreamer should be a role model and he thinks that heroes are supposed to be virtuous and honest and, and not lying to people. 
Well, Nia sort of proved him right. Nia goes after him with the intent to kill him. She um, uh, strangles him with the dream energy lasso thing that she has. (laughs) However she she has that. (laughs) However that works. (laughs) She says she wants to bury Yvette's attacker. Um, uh, She basically pushes Kara away and says, don't tell me, you know, does the John Locke, you know, you can't tell me uh, what I can't do. Uh, she, she basically doesn't think there's any r- redemption that this guy can have. Uh, she, she tells Kara there is no hope speech that can make this better, which Kara, uh, I'm very thankful for a disproved by the end of it. Kara's like, oh, oh, excuse me. There's always a hope speech. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but she does all this stuff. She catfishes the guy catfishing Yvette. With a Russian mystic doll of catfishing. <laughs> yeah. So she does all this stuff, and and he talks about how Nia is lying to people. And maybe she's not lying about being transgender. She was very open about that because, you know, superheroes on the show go on national television and talk about their personal lives, which seems crazy I mean, to me. That, that is that has been well established since back in season one where, Car- where Supergirl was like, how do I reach everybody? I know. To the television. <laughs> <laughs> this show has a very a very warm relationship with just directly speaking to the camera. So Nia has gone on camera and said, "Hey, I'm tr- I'm a transgender superhero. I'm putting it that putting that out there." And so I, I she has been uh, upfront and real about that, but she's still lying to people about her secret identity. She doesn't tell people that Nia Nall is dreamer. So there's part of her that I think is affirming his points and the show doesn't really go there but uh but i sort of was thinking that while i was watching this because you know she wasn't behaving as a virtuous hero and she does deal with that with Kara on the balcony scene which i also thought and this is another thing i have an issue with the the overuse of the word community uh they said it 10 times if you were counting uh I thought part of that scene on the balcony at Catco I thought was good because Nia was honest about how she felt. Like she had these feelings of anger and rage about what this guy did, which is understandable that you would be that upset about it. But uh, but she wanted to kill this guy. So I think that's maybe something that Nia as a character is going to have to learn and grow. Like you can't be Supergirl giving hope speeches like day one. Like you have to work up yeah. to the hope speech. And, and I and I think some of that is because like to a point of the the point that I've kind of like driven into the ground, which is I think this was a season four episode in season five, which is that we haven't seen you know we've seen a little bit of Nia growing in her superhero role and training and stuff like that. But it did feel very much to me like Nia went from barely knowing how to use her powers and like falling asleep at the desk to, uh, you know, stopping tidal waves and dream lassoing everybody who makes her mad. And, uh, and I don't feel like we saw the journey on that. Like, you know, when we first started with Kara, we watched her mess up in season one like a bunch of times. I think there was a whole yeah. episode about how she kept on trying to help people and she kept messing things up and like making things worse. And I think, you know, it, it's a reminder that as as awesome as Nia is and you see her in the beginning of the the episode and everyone's like, Dreamer's the best. And it's like, Dream is like some alliterative like newspaper title. It was like, Dreamer destroys, do- the, dominates, do- dominator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's like extra extra here all about it dreamers being cool again but like i think that we kind of forget that she's really new at this superhero thing and i think that the show kind of maybe did her a little bit of a disservice by just having her be so good at it so fast like i want to see my superheroes struggle and try to figure it out and not be good at it for a little while and try just you know come they're always coming from a place of wanting to help people but like you know, maybe getting a little lost along the way and figuring out how to be a good superhero. And I liked that in this one, we got, you know, what we were kind of told was going to happen last season and kind of did and didn't, which is that like Kara, the idea of Kara mentoring Nia as a superhero. We got a little bit of that last season, but it didn't feel like it was ever like a a super huge priority for the season uh, for that storyline. And this one, I felt like we got to see her mentor Nia and be like hey this is not the way that you should go about things and like I think Nia's anger was understandable but you know seeing her kind of lose control and realize that she could go to a dark place and it's superheroing isn't always you know beating up a dominator and like getting your picture taken in the paper like you know helping to save universes or stopping a tidal wave somehow (laughs) for some reason uh but that it it can sometimes be you know a tough choice that you have to make and sometimes you have to you know realize that there are bad people and you're but you're not the judge and the executioner um And I think that that was a really valuable superhero lesson for her to learn. And I think that's kind of like, like I said earlier, I think it's a very standard superhero story that we see, but I don't think that we saw it like, you know, last season when she was learning to be a superhero. Yeah. I think at least I'm, I'm glad that Nia is learning this episode. I do think it's a little late in the game to do it, but, uh, but at least that lesson is learned that, you know, like Cara says, you know, sometimes being a, being a superhero, being a hero, being the good guy sucks because you have to abide by rules. Um, yeah. You can't just go around and do vigilante acts and murder people. Yeah, this is an arrow. <laughs> yeah, <Ooh>. yeah. <laughs> Oliver Queen, yeah, he just was like a serial killer basically the whole run of the show. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> the thing that did stand out to me in that balcony scene, and I thought that they both did a good job acting wise even though uh to your point um they both said community 57 times uh i was like if this was a drinking game i would have died (laughs) at this point uh but i thought that like there's a point where nia like kind of lists all the things that are going wrong in her life and i think we've seen nia be so upbeat and happy-go-lucky and like i think that's kind of her default and when she started listing out like you know brainy sort of dumped her very like out of nowhere um her sister is not really talking to her her mom died yeah like all this and all that and all that happened and I was like wow like her life is tough right now and I don't think that we have gotten maybe not even gotten enough of that to like really connect with like it made me really connect with her character like oh like we see her really optimistic and hopeful but her, like things are tough for her right now and like that's kind of like the pressure has kind of built on her and for me knowing that kind of stuff that she does have a hard time but she rises above it that's what I think makes somebody uh, a hopeful character the thing that I sort of butted heads with because Car is my favorite character on the show and so I, I am I fully acknowledge my bias but when the show kept trying to be like you know dreamer beats supergirl's record for defeating a dominator and and car basically like 
halted her conversation with Alex about her date just to point out that Dreamer was on fire and that Alex points out that Dreamer was all over YouTube and the news and every platform she's never heard of. And Yvette says, isn't that Dreamer something amazing? I think she's more powerful than Supergirl. I, I wanted to be in there with Nia's story, but they made Nia and Dreamer more than Supergirl. And I, I, I really, to be honest, I was like, mm, I have <laughs> an issue with that because the show is Supergirl's show. And I think... I think if they had made the show previously more about Kara, because sometimes I don't think the show is about Kara anymore. But no. <laughs> if, the if the show was more like Supergirl focused, I'll give you this one episode. I'll give you this episode where Nia and, and Dreamer is the star of the show. But the fact that Kara has taken a back seat and feels like a minor character to most of the episodes, I have really pushed back about that when I was watching the episode and and I get that like Yvette was like a big fan of Dreamer and I'm a little surprised Nia didn't come out and tell Yvette that she was Dreamer in this episode but I guess that's yeah, another too. story for another time uh but I don't know I just I I thought the Nia aspect was good I just I was a little jealous that they were making <laughs> Nia and Dreamer <laughs> to be this great thing that was greater than Supergirl. I I did have honestly, admittedly, a tough time with that. Well, they're they're they always have they've had problems for a while with not having Supergirl be the the star of her own show called Supergirl. What if? But Rebecca, what if what we're seeing is the beginning of season six, which is that Yvette finds out that Nia has really been Dreamer all along, and she's like. What if I create it? <laughs> Hear me out. But what if people were nicer? And then, like, she just goes to, like, team up with Lena Luther. And she's like, no, I'm in. I'm in this now. <laughs> and it's like they start their own, like, evil like evil girl gang where they're just, like, <laughs> taking over the world. It's like, what are we going to do tonight, Yvette? And Lena's like, what we do every night. <laughs> they're just pinky in the brain. <laughs> so they spin off another show that's just Lena, Yvette, robot friends yes yes i love it and like and every time they're like their evil plans to like foil um like supergirl and dreamer are just like they're just kind of like low-key and petty it's like <laughs> it's like uh today i i changed out the brand um, the, the her favorite brand of perfume she's gonna smell awful all day <laughs> <laughs> that might make it up to me maybe well we'll see i i, I could give that a shot um, so real quick, I did have an issue. I know we mentioned the, the overuse of the word community. The personal reason I have an issue with that is because this, this goes a long way back to, uh, the Green Lantern movie with Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. I have never seen that. I've heard it's amazing. <laughs> it's actually not as bad as people say it is. But the reason I have an issue with that movie is that it says the word fear a million times. It oh, seems no. like nobody read the script out loud. They didn't have a table read, and it felt like a first draft. <laughs> nobody wanted to search and replace and do some thesaurus.com. I mean, there are ways to uh, say the same thing another way. I had an issue with this in season one of Supergirl when Supergirl said the word hope seven times in a speech on camera because, of course, she was. And I also had a problem with this uh, in the final season of Fox's Gotham when they said the word refugee 
a million times and I was like okay we get it um so this is not just like my like attacking the Supergirl uh episode of this week this is a, a a common thread for me when I critique something I'm like why are you saying the same word over and over and over again? They did it in another episode, either this season or last season. Because I remember you being like, they said this word a million times. They did it a lot last season, I think. They did, yeah. There were a lot of like word of the day episodes. Yeah, there were like, a, like this, this episode has been brought to you by fear. Yeah. Fear. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I I did notice it a lot with the word community in this episode. And it just reeks of lazy writing to me. And I hate to say that because I know that this episode was so important to a lot of those people. But my, my suggestion, if anyone cares, and they probably don't. They're professional writers. I'm not. But I just, as a, as a viewer, it might be good to mix it up a little bit. Maybe change up some of the wording. Maybe find another way to say it, uh, because it just when you when you watch it, it just it's a little jarring uh, when you hear it and when you watch it. So I, I I guess I'm overly critical in that regard, but it just ooh, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. It's funny because you had messaged me about the community thing, and I hadn't watched the episode yet. So then when I watched the episode, I was like hyper aware of the amount of times that they said community and um between that one scene with nia and Kara, like right after the assault and like the scene on the balcony they must have said it like so many times it was like it was every other word it was like they're coming he's coming after my community and my community and my community's community and my community's community's community i was like what is ha happening why are they saying this word so much? It was like they're yeah, I think it's just a it's it's a dialogue problem. It's you know, don't don't have somebody say the same word, you know, ten times in one short two minute scene. Maybe be creative about it. Maybe think outside the box and how you can say something another way. That's just, that's my challenge to all writers <laughs> of the world is just try to find another way to do it. Um, but anyway, so uh maybe we should uh get talking about the alex stuff let's put those vr lenses on <laughs> we need to, we need to get that going because that was another big part of this episode um so what did you think about alex going into the obsidian the, the obsidian platinum world and and going to virtual las vegas virtual las vegas it's vegas baby uh <laughs> what, what year is it in virtual las vegas is it 1930-50 the cars were definitely <laughs> i think from the 1930s yeah i was very confused they were like see here i was like what are you talking about so my question my question though morgan is if yeah uh so if the cars are 1930s why was alex like did she choose what she wanted to wear inside the vr because she was wearing her deo super suit and not some sort of like 1930s dress or whatever i feel like they really missed out on an opportunity to have alex do this whole storyline in a flapper outfit <laughs> which <laughs> would have been my preference like could you imagine like freeze and then she's just like uh like a, just a, a feather comes out or something <laughs> she's like oh it's just a bottle of vodka i guess all right <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, no, it seemed like she was, um, weirdly dressed for the, uh, occasion. I guess you get to choose what you want to wear in the, uh, in the VR experience. Uh, I think we both know where, um, where my brain was during this, uh, part of this, uh, episode. And that was, 
what is Kelly's job? <laughs> I can't, I can't let it go. And I know it doesn't matter, but I can't, I just can't let it go. Like, I'm like, what does Kelly do? It was, I, I was so confused because she kept on being like, oh, well, they were supposed to fix that patch. And like, oh, I'm supposed to, you know, do this and do that. And I was like, isn't there like a technical person who should be doing this? And like, I don't, I, I continue to be confused by what it is that Kelly does there at Obsidian and how it is that she's qualified for what she does at Obsidian. It seems like she's a jack of all Kelly's where she just does whatever the story needs her to do uh, at that point. Um I don't know. I did. I did find it very relatable. The idea that she had put in a ticket to IT and they had just ignored. And they had just ignored her patch. Those ticket systems always bad. Yeah, my experience with like an engineering group is that I would create the ticket. They would come up and sort of glance over my problem, but nothing would ever get solved. So I guess I kind of understand Kelly's issue here. That felt real to me. I was, <laughs> I was like, I was like, from my personal work experience, this tracks. Like, of course, <laughs> of course they would launch a huge thing without having fixed any of my tickets. Yeah, and the <laughs> tickets don't get closed. That, yeah, that felt real. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that Kelly didn't get like a survey that were like, how, how did you like our service? How did you like our help? <laughs> and she's like, zero stars. You didn't fix my ticket. <laughs> Really, this is all, like, engineering IT's fault. They should have been on top of this. IT's like, have you tried turning the lenses off and turning them back on again? <laughs> <laughs> yes, IT, we've tried that. Um, no, I just thought that, like, the – I just kept laughing because – so she goes into virtual Las Vegas, and she's like – what is that creepy uh, house on the hill that looks haunted <laughs> and like no one should ever go into it? And there, and Kelly's like, "Oh yes, that's the haunted murder house. I guess some users <laughs> just built it. Weird. We did, whose job is it to moderate this <laughs> awful VR hellscape that they find themselves in? Because like people can just create a murder house to torture people in, and that's just like." a known issue she's like listen alex i put in a ticket to vr <laughs> to, to it about the murder house and they ha just haven't taken down the murder house yet nothing i can do i mean if i think to me <laughs> this episode felt the most like um like in touch with what modern technology actually is <laughs> which is like kelly's like it's a platform for good where we're all gonna like work through our traumas in like a really like healthy and productive way and then like we go into the vr and it's like it's murder houses and cheating on your spouse <laughs> like, <laughs> like where there's a will there's a person willing to do something messed up and like that's not gonna change just because you put on some vr lenses and occasionally you can like have a snow leopard like uh, take you through a snowscape. <laughs> yeah, they did not foresee someone coming in and hacking the system or creating something that they don't seem to have any. She Kelly even says there are no rules in the VR, but maybe there should be. I mean, there there it has to be. Like there should be. Isn't she like a like a psychiatrist, like dealing with like the psychological repercussions of VR? Like, wasn't that the purpose of her? And she's like. You know what? It's a it's a Mad Max Fury Road over there. Good luck, Furiosa. She just puts Alex in. It's 
some of this is on, like I don't know how much of it because I don't know your job, but some of this is on you, Kelly. <laughs> I don't want to get into the governmental aspects of this because uh, the show has not done a great job with. with don't uh, don't worry. Whoever's president now will will we'll, uh, have an executive order about it. <laughs> but it seems like I don't know if the FCC would be in charge of hand, but some some agency like should have should be some regulation on this of any kind it it does seem like it's just it's just a free-for-all in there yeah especially if you're able to feel things and smell things and like and things have consequences and I was a little confused by that because uh Trevor god bless Trevor he was exploding oh. over and over uh I can't even <laughs> imagine uh but gotta suck. it's gotta suck to explode over and over again but so the idea is that like it's not real but then it is like Kelly says, oh, those guys in the tanks, you know, it's 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 no big deal. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, no, it is a big deal because if they've been in there for days, there will be consequences to it that, you know, they might have uh, some kind of uh, I don't know if it was like brain damage or something. I also wondered like why they would create a scenario in which somebody could come out of it with like legitimate brain damage like isn't that just even from like if you take it out of like a humanistic perspective where maybe you shouldn't create something where somebody could like drown another person in vr uh, isn't that just a liability issue waiting to happen and i feel like our uh, legal eagles can really like weigh in on this but this whole vr thing seems like um uh just a like a a lawyer's dream of lawsuits that that they could (laughs) They, that they could like put against this company who's like again they they knew that there was they they knew that there was a murder house on a hill <laughs> and kelly was like oh yeah that murder house yeah that's been up there for a while new patch i guess <laughs> what kelly <laughs> you're right though people could sue over this stuff they could sink obsidian yeah Just, you would like, think totally that this would have happened wipe them out <laughs> almost immediately <laughs> given the lax pro- like security protocols that seem to be in place in this in this sort of virtual reality environment where they've made it so real that you can die in VR but so lax that you can literally create a murder house <laughs> <laughs> like somebody would have legit definitely already d- I mean I guess that's why old lady has so many like uh, leftovers wrapped up in tinfoil <laughs> She did have a lot of bodies in there. Everybody's just straight up murdering other people in there. And it's like, whoops, who could have foreseen this? Everyone, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm blaming Kelly. It's Andrea's fault. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's the engineering department. They should have and, followed and up with that. And definitely IT. <laughs> yeah. And Kelly does have some responsibilities. She should have followed up on that ticket. She should have been like, come on, where's where's the where's the closing out of that ticket? Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought some of that was hard to understand. I did like the idea of going into the lobby of the VR and getting to see Alex's potential storylines kind of flash through. Oh, yeah, that was so funny. The, um, the mom Alex, the superhero Alex, and then I just, I guess I saw Lexi Gray Alex. Like, she's like, oh, there's a, there's a version of Alex Danvers where she never left, uh, Grey's Anatomy and she had just decided to like stay on for a couple more seasons. It's like the road not taken for Kyler Lee. So, yeah. So I get that they tease the Supergirl one pretty heavily because that seems like that's coming next week. But I was like, is the mom thing? Are we still going there? It seems like we're not, but 
maybe this is this is a future storyline. Maybe they're actually going to do something with that. We should have seen like you know what this would this would have been the perfect setup if in those scenarios we had seen a, a, a an Alex Danvers who was actually looking for Jeremiah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the road not taken for trying to find your father at least even a little bit. <laughs> that would have actually been a good setup for the end of the episode. I would have been a little bit more okay with that off-screen death if, <laughs> if they had put it in the virtual lobby of the VR. It would have been some setup. That that was a missed opportunity. Dang it. Well, Oh, well. Well, at least we got to go in and understand a little bit more of this technology. We still don't know what Leviathan is using it for. We have no idea what Pencil Skirt is up to. I thought we were going to get follow-up to Pencil Skirt and Lex's little meeting. Yeah, me too. We got none of that. We don't know what Lena was doing in this episode. It feels like Lena's storyline is pretty important this season, and she was nowhere to be seen. Nope. So uh, at least we got to see more of the VR and how that sort of works the v- like the vr stuff was pretty cool um i and it was pretty creepy like when she goes in like when she goes to the, the virtual las vegas was pretty cool when she went into the, like the murder house it was like pretty scary and i like that the callback like her greatest fear was being in that water tank which is yeah i think to me uh, not only an all-time great alex danvers um episode but just an all-time great episode of the show was that episode where she gets like stuck in the water tank and uses her pants to like break (laughs) herself out. I was like, this is the coolest television character I have maybe ever seen. And like, so a a nice callback to an Alex Danvers, uh, like that such a solid Alex Danvers episode, but also like just sadly to me, like an Alex Danvers who felt like she had like a storyline and like momentum and like action and like, wasn't just passively reacting to things all the time. Like, I was like, oh, Alex. <laughs> yeah, it made, made made you long for those days again. Yeah, I get it that. It did. When they put her in a, the, they made me long for the days when she was put in a water tank and almost died. <laughs> Poor Alex. <laughs> I w- that would probably have freaked me out, too. That was a nice callback. I did appreciate that. Well, um, real quick, uh, we did not talk about Kara and William State, which... I guess is fitting because it lasted all of two seconds. God bless. They don't have a lot of chemistry. Uh, they're they're trying and like they're enjoying each other's presence, and I know that because they are smiling. But I don't. The romantic chemistry is just not there between those two. I was also like a little bit like resentful that like Kara. It was Kara's friend who was having like this was in the middle of this, you know, issue and had like it's a friend of her friend who got like assaulted and like seemed like it would have been a good um opportunity for Cara Danvers to do some journalism and instead we got William like writing the article and like telling her like facts about stuff and I was like really she did uh, assist him but his name was on the byline so i can understand the issue with that uh yeah Kara has not really investigated anything Kara should be the one investigating leviathan i don't understand why that is not happening she got a pulitzer this <laughs> earlier this season we haven't seen her work since like she is the definition of somebody who like peaked early and is just now like riding on her own coattails just coasting yeah my favorite was when she's like i've got to go and he's like oh cool i'll cover for you in a way that tells me that he covers for her all the time yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's what because she uh you know she's got to go places she's got to do things i 
actually did like their chemistry in this episode. I think that's one of the ways in which we disagree. But <laughs> I will give you the fact that for me, as somebody who wanted to see that develop, because if they're going to drag this William Carr thing across the whole season, you got to make it important. I mean, this is the main character of the show who's getting back into a romance after she had this Romeo Juliet relationship where it was had a tragic ending and like now she can't get back together with him because he's married and he's in the future. Like those are, <laughs> those are, you know, big important things. And so this is a big deal for Kara to get back into wanting to have a relationship with somebody and they didn't make it important at all. And you talk about um, feeling like, uh, what was the word you used? It was so good about uh, William getting the the headline or doing the work um resentful i think is the word you use yeah <laughs> i was resentful that they had cara uh with the the pool stick and she was like oh come on you know be soft and gentle with it and i was like this would have been a great time to flash back to young cara and seeing what was the what was the story there she obviously probably tried to play pool when she was younger and she probably hit that ball and everything exploded. Like I would have <laughs> I would have wanted to see that scene. I would have wanted to hear about that experience. They never followed up with it. They didn't flash back uh, to that experience. And I just I know you can communicate it with just her saying that. But then I wanted more of that. I wanted more from Kara to know about her experience and her life and why she, you know, acts that way. And so I, it just, it left me wanting more. I think, you know, if I would have less of a problem with the, like the romance, if it felt like the romance was furthering like some new knowledge of Kara as a character. Like if, like if you mentioned, like if we'd seen a scene of her and William playing pool and then we flashed back to like the first time she played and, and something like that, or like we got to know more about the character, then I'd be like, okay, well, like I'm, you know, even if I'm not super into this romance, like it's giving me information about this character that I care about, or it's showing me different sides of her. Like, I think that's a good way that they could at least use this to tell some sort of interesting stories since they're uh, just so committed to like going from zero to a hundred on this thing. I think that there's, there's good things in there, but they're just not doing enough. Uh, I think so that that's been a common thing, uh, common, uh, thing that's been running through season five with Cara and William so um as much as I want to like them I feel like I don't have enough so anyway um I guess we should just wrap up our discussion here so we can get to some feedback so what were your overall thoughts about a reality bites yeah I think overall I like this one I just felt like it was like weirdly placed within the season I felt like it was kind of a season four episode that you know ended up in season five I think that like Nicole Maine's did a great job I think you know um in those scenes together with her and Melissa obviously Melissa did a great job too I think it was like an important episode um for like you know representation of 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 the trans community and like having a really actually dealing with the fact that you know Dreamer is a transgender superhero and stuff like that I think it was like an important episode I just don't know if it is this episode belonged you know as episode 15 of the season when the season has like had so little momentum and then like the VR stuff did not feel like it was in the same episode as the Nia stuff sometimes it just felt like it was watching two different sh shows that were like 
just vaguely put together. So, I mean, as a as a whole, I thought it was like a a solid, you know, middle grade episode. Yeah, there were parts of this episode I liked. I liked some of the Nia storyline. I liked the VR stuff a lot. Um, the Cara Williams stuff left me wanting more. Uh, but I, I would agree with you that I think what was missing from this episode was a connecting point of all of those storylines. I think episodes that are really strong. Uh, in my opinion, especially with television, is uh, that there should be a connecting point where, like, you see an overall theme that that gets all of those storylines to interconnect. Um, I prefer episodes that are like that. I think they're much stronger when it's done like that. And so it did sort of feel like scrap together. So uh, that that I think for me was a little bit of a letdown. So I think there were some good elements here, but uh, I I didn't think it was like knocking it out of the park either um so uh i guess that's gonna do it for our discussion so let's find out what our listeners had to say about reality bites uh at sony robots at uh, 1997 said that was car's date oh my god it looked like a bro hangout at least she was more excited for her date with james and why did it get cut short they never addressed it why is the show sending us mixed signals about car and william great performance by nicole mains uh, at the Ash and Luca said, really great episode that fo- that touched on Alex's PTSD briefly, along with her feelings of inadequacy at being non-powered. Great setup for next week's Alex in Wonderland. Hope it's Kara who brings her out of it, like how Alex brought her out during the Black Mercy episode. Loved all the Nia bits. At Zandani said, I feel like the people who created the VR experience have never seen the crazy things people do with technology. <laughs> they always find a way to use it in a way that wasn't meant to be used. This is very true. Uh, at Rachel Joy twenty three twenty three said, "Strong episode for Nia, Kelly, and Alex. Glad to see them get to shine. Surprised that Jeremiah is dead. Although who knows if that's really the whole story? And it might have been unrealistic to assume he'd survive about three years in the woods anyway. <laughs> There's a lot of berries out there, Rachel. You don't know. Yeah, he could have found a, a you know a good water spot that had clean." Clean natural water. We don't know. Maybe he was like a like a bear grills type who can really just get out there in nature. Uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui said, "Love this episode. It was very powerful. This show is always better when it focuses on the women. I feel like it must have something more behind this Car William thing. Otherwise, this will go down as the most boring romance ever written in this show, and that is saying something." Um, at two hundred two Sports Guy says, "How does Kelly not know she works for an evil company?" <laughs> Such a good question. There are a lot of red flags that Kelly is missing somehow. <laughs> uh, at VH451 said, Supergirl has never been subtle, and tonight was no different. That's not a knock on tonight's episode. Nicole Maines was the MVP with such an impassioned performance. Other thoughts. So Obsidian Platinum is basically The Sims? Last thought. Ugh. So done with Leviathan. Uh, at Patty Mello 20 said, great episode, very important. Yvette's story is the story of a lot of trans women of color. I feel like we understand the VR more now, but I still don't get what Leviathan's plan is. So Jeremiah died before Alex ever went to look for him? Sad. I miss Delina. Uh, at Superquid19 said, Nicole Maine shone so bright. This will go down as one of my favorite episodes this season for sure. Missed having Lena, am off also enjoying getting the creeps out of leviathan and margot finally 
Um, at SL Fricky said, Alex going to virtual Vegas reminds me of how confined to national city this show is most of the time, despite Cara's ability to go anywhere on Earth. Legends of Tomorrow visits more settings despite having a lot less money to depict them. And a lot less money. <laughs> I agree with SL Fricky here because um, I've been telling everyone in the world uh, about Titans on DC Universe. Anyone who will listen, I just want to tell you how good Titans is. And Titans... Actually, like, they're based in San Francisco, the Titans Tower, but they go all over the country. They encounter different types of people. They, it, there's, like, a, it feels like there is a universe that they are living in. Like, they, there's a world building in that show that is phenomenal. And it does sometimes feel like on Supergirl that they are not necessarily just confined to National City, but just confined confined to a small built world within the story like it just it feels like the world is small if that makes sense yeah no i agree with titans it just feels like the the world building of their their story like the canvas of that show is so ginormous i mean it just it touches so many different elements of the dc world and here on supergirl it just it it's it's very small so I agree with that, SL Fricky. I think that's a really good point. Um, at Keegan Meyer said, Nicole Means was amazing. These last two episodes follow the battle against technology that I wish the rest of the season had, but I am very excited about the next episode. Super Alex is going to be awesome. And Jeremiah Danvers? <laughs> I am shook. <laughs> um, at NerdyGeek77 said, glad Nia, glad Nia got some stuff to do and the Alex stuff was solid. At Electra WWF said, glad the show finally touched on Nia being unable to interpret her dreams. I hope this means she'll either, one, make up with Maeve and ask her for help since Maeve studied dream interpretation for years, or go to Nalter for a few months, maybe even, maybe over summer hiatus, and learn there. Like, how cool would it be, like, to your point about the world being small, like, this, uh, the world of Supergirl includes, like, other planets. Like, yeah. so you could go to another planet. Like, I know that they don't want to spend that uh those dollar dollar bills but like <laughs> we could go to nalter like we could we could f have nia go to nalter and like that could be a thing like that could be a nia episode yeah i think that would be cool we got to go to argo and and see their their comfy clothes there i, I would love to see uh, a nalter <laughs> episode exactly like what kind of lounge wear do they wear on nalter <laughs> let, let, let's go with nia and find out <laughs> it has to be really chill because they're all into dreams and stuff so they they're all sleep. they're all taking naps <laughs> Um, at a underscore weird girl said Nicole was totally amazing and I totally wasn't expecting Jeremiah Danvers by the way that's how you solve a huge plot hole one phone call two turns out he's dead <laughs> uh, <laughs> at Gab Jara Minaya said one of the best powerful message this and the last one are on the top five of the season uh, at kvidicat53 said, surprisingly excellent episode. They addressed the issue of violence against trans people well without offering easy answers. Great to see Yvette back, even if it was as a victim. Nicole Maine's best acting. We even got a bit of Alex's character development. But Jeremiah? <laughs> uh, at Hegel Blass um, said, Carr asking Alex for advice on what to wear on her date was a nice callback to the pilot when she did exactly the same thing. Between that, the mention of Jeremiah, and the VR option of Alex as a doctor, it's nice to see the writers acknowledging season one for a change. 
<laughs> Good points. Um, at Pretty Girl Ninja said, love seeing Dark Nia. I hope we get more glimpses of her struggling to be one of the good guys. Finally, something sinister with Leviathan's interest in Obsidian, although it's hard to believe no one thought people would use the lenses in disturbing ways. <laughs> uh, and then our last tweet of the episode is I at I Am No Guitar Hero, who said, really liked the episode. It was different but powerful. With production suspended, I'm assuming the season finale will become the premiere of season six. Weird times in the real world. Perfect timing for hope, help, and compassion for all. Take care, everybody. Yeah, in case people are listening to this years uh, from now, uh, this episode we are recording is during the coronavirus pandemic of the year 2020. So people are, are quarantining themselves in their houses to, so as not to spread it. So that's what that tweet is about. So just in case you are in the year 2025 and you're like, what are they talking <laughs> about? Uh, this is for you, f future person. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I'm, I hope everybody is doing well and taking care of themselves. Well, we received an email from Will who writes, quote, I thought that it was the villain of the week from the bodyguard who was the techno-organic alien life form, not Leviathan. I don't remember Dirtman, uh, I assume that <laughs> is referring to Ramakan, exhibiting any techno-organic <laughs> tendencies. Also, I didn't realize until you were discussing it, but the first two people Lena experimented on were called Adam and Eve. Should we be reading into this? Uh, finally, if you had the Obsidian lenses, what fictional world would you go into, unquote? Um, okay, so Will, I've had a couple of people address this with me um, here is the exact dialogue from the bodyguard. And this is why I've deduced that we're talking about Leviathan. Because the entire scene between Lex Luthor and Brainy at the beginning of the episode of the bodyguard, they're talking about Leviathan. So uh, Lex Luthor says, good news on inverting Toyman's immortality code for use against Leviathan. And Brainy says, yes, I'm nearly done repurposing the code to render Leviathan vulnerable. But seeing as how they talking about leviathan are a techno organic species from the same solar system as krypton i've calculated that it would be next to impossible to inject the code into their skin without first somehow weakening them yes definitely leviathan i personally don't see how you could read it any other way um i know there's some confusion because the villain of that week was the lady with the pink energy and so she had a little techno stuff going on but in that scene where they're talking about the techno-organic species, they are definitely talking about Leviathan. Now, I will grant you that Ramakan does not seem to be a techno-organic species. So I think that was my confusion uh, that we talked about uh, in our previous episode of Supergirl Radio because the new information we got about Leviathan did not jive with what we had been told earlier in Season 5. So I hope that clears up some of that confusion. Yes, and the Adam and Eve thing, I think we talked about that before, but it is pretty cool that that is the case. Um, Morgan, if you had Obsidian Lenses, what what fictional world would you go into? That's a good question. I'm not really sure. I think that there, because like, there are so many that, like, I wouldn't take the Obsidian Platinum Lenses, that's for sure, because, like... <laughs> murder houses. I, yeah, like, murder house. I, I don't want to go into those murder houses. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not feeling that. Um... <laughs> But yeah, no, I think there's there's just almost too many. I probably want to go. I probably want to do some like high fantasy. Like I think that's where they'd be fun. Like I want to do some like Game of Thrones, dragons, and like you know like Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn and like that kind of stuff. Well, so, well I guess that's not high fantasy, but like um, yeah, I'd probably do some like you know some dragony stuff. 
My, mine are all dragon specific. <laughs> I would love to go into, I want to be part of the Robin Hood story because I, I have, I have romanticized that in my head. Like, you know, Robin Hood is this like, you know, really attractive kind of, you know, a little bit of a, a bad guy, but he's a really good guy doing the right things. And like Maid Marian is super cool. And like the Merry Men are awesome. You know, little John, like I love like Will Scarlet and sort of this little team who lives out in the woods in Sherwood Forest and always like fights against the, the bad uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. I love Robin Hood. Love it. I also love King Arthur. So either of those two legends, I would I would really love to live in, in Sherwood Forest. That's awesome. But I would want to live with Robin Hood and his people because I could not make it on my own like Jeremiah Danvers. I could not survive. <laughs> I would have I to I mean, if Jeremiah Newton. Danvers can't make it, <laughs> what hope do we have? <laughs> um... We have an email from Courtney who writes, I am shocked someone remembered Jeremiah. <laughs> this is a game changer. Imagine all the other drop storylines they'll bring back. But I guess Alex isn't going to search for Jeremiah after all. No, Such no. a bummer, though. <laughs> no, she doesn't have to anymore. <laughs> uh, the Supergirl writers must be listening to the podcast. Keep it up, ladies. Once they get rid of Lex, Director Bones, William as Comet, Turtle Girl, Kelly Olsen, and the Newsies Legion... All of it could still be a possibility. <laughs> I mean, let's remain hopeful. At least Turtle Girl Kelly Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that could be part of the VR. Obsidian goes like goes down. She's going to have nothing to do, and she's going to have like you know some extra time on her hands, and like maybe she just makes friends with some newspaper people, and <laughs> she just goes from there. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, uh, once, once Obsidian goes away, she's going to need a new storyline. So we've got, we've got plenty to offer, uh, for we, Kelly. We have so many ideas for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have an email from Scott who writes, quote, I thought Alex's VR quest was pretty interesting. I scoffed that she didn't know what an NPC was, though. I found it so great that an episode that gave such a spotlight on trans people also officially killed off the character they distanced themselves from three years ago, unquote. Did you know what an NPC was? I did. Uh, I, I, I their definition was like an I forget what it was. N um, a non-player character, right? Yeah, I thought it was like a non-playable character. So I guess I sort of had a little bit of it. I mean, it's, I guess it's the same thing. But yeah, I kind of knew what an NPC was. But I'm not a gamer. So uh, that was just something I kind of knew just from internet lingo. So is Alex a gamer? Would she, would she know that? I don't know. I've, I don't think we've ever seen Alex game. So I don't I don't know that she would necessarily know what that is. Is Kelly a gamer? <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we just maybe we just uncovered another another layer uh, of the onion that is Kelly Olson. Well, it does seem strange that like. Uh, Alex seemed to, in the previous episode, know a lot about what Kelly was doing at work. So it's, yeah. it does seem a little strange that she wouldn't pick that up from Kelly. That's true, because Kelly has clearly like, told her a lot about what's going on besides her like IT tickets. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brianna sent us an email trying to make Leviathan and the Luthers connect, saying, Leviathan is an immortal race who hates humanity, seeing them as a blight against nature. Ramakan tried to get rid of them in one fell swoop. Just such a fun name to say. Uh, tried to get rid of them in one fell swoop uh, via super volcano, but was stopped by Supergirl. This caused. 
sorry. This calls pencil skirt. I just like <laughs> that people have really adopted that name for her without like ever get, like figuring out what her actual name is. Um, <laughs> this caused pencil skirt to convince Leviathan leaders to push out Ramakan, put her in charge, and give her plan a try. Enter Andrea and her VR project. I think that Pencil Skirt is trying to get everyone on Earth to upload their minds into the VR world that feels so real um, and Edenic. I like, assume that's I like the Garden of Eden, I think. Yeah. That they essentially stay there and become machines like slaves for Leviathan and their bodies waste away. My mind goes to something like the Matrix where humans' minds are put in a VR world and their bodies are used as food slash fuel for the machines. That way Leviathan has rid the world of the scrounge of humanity and makes it very hard for for heroes like Supergirl to stop them. It's not like Supergirl can stop everyone on Earth from going into the VR since they're doing it of their own free will and it's not hurting them in any obvious way um we've seen supergirl have personal ethical issues with the vr technology but so far she hasn't been able to justifiably argue for it to be shut down uh onto how this ties into lex and lena as soon as lex became aware of leviathan after crisis he has been trying to get inside their operation lena is attempting to and getting close to creating a powerful way to mind control the entire population of earth with nonno cherry whether or not she realizes that's what nonno cherry is going to do is a different debate altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have a very terrifying equation regarding Lex Luthor and his ultimate bad guy plan. Lex Luthor getting closer to the power of immortality uh, via Leviathan, plus getting closer to accessing mind control via non plus the inability of the people of Earth set, uh, seeing this happening because of complacency and ignorance due to the obsession of technology and everyone thinking he's the greatest man in the world equals immortal Lex with mind control powers that he uses to enslave everyone on Earth, including Leviathan and all of Earth's heroes, and blindsiding everyone on Earth because of their lack of connection to reality, thus making him the ultimate ruler of Earth. Wow, Brianna. What a theory. I like it. I think it kind of, it fits in with Lex's, uh, his whole vibe. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I think it's possible. I, I don't like the idea of Lex ultimately being the bad guy again this season. It feels like a little we we've been there done that, but this makes sense. I mean, I could see that happening. I was a little confused this week in the episode of Supergirl where Alex was like determined to stop Lex and I kept thinking, "Why?" Like I know he's a jerk, but <laughs> what what specifically is she trying to stop? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I guess at least this theory would give him some sort of like uh like evil plan that they have to stop him from but as of right now we don't know that he's doing he's done nothing but help people and encourage his sister from you know uh from stopping her her plan like he's encouraging her to keep going on this crazy mind control thing she's doing so he's he's been a good guy so far so trying to help in his own way (laughs) (laughs) So we'll we'll see if uh, if that theory comes to fruition. Well, Emily Grace wrote in to say, quote, because I'm homeschooled, I choose what I work on. So because one of my hobbies is programming for social studies, I programmed an AI so that I can learn communication skills and teach myself while teaching the AI how to learn from what I say. And I named the program Hope. 
So it's <gasps> out there. So it's out there, girls. I programmed an artificial uh, an artificial intelligence named Hope. Oh my God, Emily Grace, there's a real Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Grace, will she be my friend? <laughs> this is very important. I need you to write in. And let me know if she'll be my friend. <laughs> Do you also need some vocals? Do you, do you do you need some voice acting for your AI? Because I'm I'm quarantined and I'm so game. <laughs> Let Morgan oh my god, know. that's amazing! So cool. That is that's cool. really awesome. Um, Brandon wrote in to say. This episode cut me deep to my core. I'm a cis bisexual man, and this episode made me feel like I had actual representation on television, something I've never really felt in the Arrowverse. Watching it, I felt like someone really understood me. Even though the subject was about the trans community, I felt seen. I know that may sound weird. However, I'm sure it spoke to every LGBT viewer of Supergirl, no matter what letter they are. Nia Nall and Nicole Maines is my hero, and I hope her journey continues. Well, Brand sent us an email saying, quote, blood memory was my favorite hour of television ever but this one might top it nicole mains was absolutely amazing and nia Nall is such a relatable and authentic character such huge range glad we got to see more of yvette too i was also impressed that alex and kelly each had their own arcs together with alex searching for control and kelly starting to doubt obsidian alex and nia's stories complemented each other well both want control but nia ultimately let her friends in and alex is pushing people away Car didn't have much of an arc this episode, but the but she and Alex still felt like the core of the show. I hope we get to see Nia do something next episode as well. It would be weird to jump from a crime breakdown to regular coffee talk. Normally, I wouldn't expect much, but this episode gave us callbacks to episode one and season two, a clear plot for Leviathan and even Jeremiah Danvers. Is season five finally getting good? Unquote. I think it's interesting that like the connections. Um made between the Alex and the Nia story, which I didn't quite see, but like, like, I think that's an interesting interpretation of how those, those stories connect. Yeah. I think that's, you know, something I didn't think of either. So I appreciate uh brand sending this in uh, just to kind of help us see that maybe there was something there. And I also think the, the, the point about Kelly having her own arc, I thought was good. Like I enjoyed getting to spend more time with kelly in this episode so daryl asked was anyone else surprised to know that the ncpd has other detectives besides maggie sawyer the detective in this week's episode was the first officer we've seen from the ncp uh, ncpd since maggie left i think that goes back to the world feeling small uh that they that they don't even address that there's a local law enforcement in the city all the time yeah because they're working with the deo so often so they never seem to work with local law enforcement even though sometimes like the you know villains that they catch are humans yeah probably more suited for you know like the police than the whatever weird windowless chamber the deo puts people in (laughs) (laughs) well ashley wrote in to say quote i really enjoyed this episode and its message the ending took a turn for the worse i know i agree The way the writers just dropped that bomb on us. Wow. I also liked the involvement of the VR and that whole part where when Alex went into the VR and we saw that Supergirl outfit choice. On a side note, in what order should I watch the DC movies? On uh, Or what movies and what order should I watch the movies that have to do with Superman or Supergirl? Unquote. Uh, Ashley, that is a really big... Toss it to you. (laughs) uh, That is a very big question, and I think what I would ask you back is what kind of movies do you prefer? Because there are a lot of 
DC movies out there and they are all kind of different. I think what the strength of the DC universe is that no matter what kind of movie that you enjoy, what kind of tone, what kind of genre, there's probably something for you. So I would just think about kind of what movie you want to sit down and watch. If you like something a little campier and a little more lighthearted, maybe watch the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. If you want something a little meatier with some heavier themes, watch Man of Steel and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I personally would recommend those. I think they're very good. Um, but it just kind of depends on what you want to watch. There's a lot of animated movies. Superman has a lot of animated movies. Uh, a lot of them are on DC Universe, but you can get them everywhere. YouTube has a lot of them. Um, it, I would uh, I would recommend that you pay for them, support the artists. Um, but uh, as far as Supergirl stuff, of course, there's Supergirl the movie with Helen Slater. Every Supergirl fan should watch it. <laughs> Oh, I feel a little called out here. <laughs> uh, so you, if you're gonna, point it. <laughs> if you're going to call yourself a Supergirl fan, it is a must watch. Uh, <laughs> but there's also Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, which is an animated movie that features Supergirl. Uh, you can watch Superman Red Sun. That just came out, uh, Superman Red Sun. We discussed the the comic book iteration of that, the source material that the movie is based on. We discussed that on Supergirl Radio. We also have an episode of Superman Batman Apocalypse you can go listen to. Um, so if you happen to watch some of those movies, there might be a Supergirl Radio episode that you can go listen to afterwards. Um, so it just kind of depends on what you want to watch. I definitely think, though, if you are watching something that has multiple movies, watch them in release date. Watch them as they came out. I, I think that's the best way to watch any of them. So if you're watching the Christopher Reeve movies, watch 1, 2, 3, and 4. If you're watching the DCEU, start with Man of Steel, go to Batman v Superman, then go to Suicide Squad, then Wonder Woman, and then blah, 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 blah. So go down the the dates in which they were released. That's that's what I would recommend anyway. So I guess I have to get on that Supergirl the movie, huh? <laughs> uh, there there may be a way that we can do that and make it a lot of fun. Nice. Um, Abby wrote, police investigations take time because it takes a considerable amount of time to follow leads, collect, process evidence, and issue warrants for arrests. As someone who is seeking employment in law enforcement, it rubbed me the wrong way that the show made it look like the police weren't caring or doing their jobs. Granted, in the past, there have been terrible problems in the relationship between police and the trans community, but I feel like this episode didn't do anything to help that relationship. Um, I mean, I think a lot of good points in this one. Um, there definitely have been problems with like police investigations and in marginalized communities, like even up until recently. I think that there was like recently a serial killer that they found in like Toronto who had been like killing gay men in the area for years and kind of the police had sort of ignored it. But on the other side, I, I did feel as if like the show was supposed to have you think that like Nia had only given the police like a very short window of time to like, like solve this crime and figure it out. And like, once he was like, Oh yeah, we're working on it. She was like, not fast enough. <laughs> yeah. They did make a point to say like, we're coming through the surveillance footage where you were doing all the things. And yeah, I think that was supposed to show that Nia was being impulsive and she was making bad choices to get her to the point where she had to realize what she was. So I think it was all mostly based out of a need to get the character to do a certain thing. 
Um, but, but I appreciate your experience as someone who's kind of trying to get into that field of law enforcement and kind of what the reality of that is. So uh, thank you for writing in and sharing those thoughts. Well, before we wrap up our feedback, we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first set is from at Kaya underscore Matsui. The first one here is, what do you think Lena was doing during this episode? Riding her horses without Lex or texting Kara that they're still not friends? <laughs> um. Oh, good one. Good one. I think she's texting Kara. I think she just texts her like occasionally at all hours of the day and night. And it's just like we're not friends and like a, like a mad emoji and the car is like, Hey, Hey, what's up? You want to talk? And she's like, no, <laughs> I just had to tell you. I thought you might've forgotten. <laughs> uh, I like the option that she's riding her horses without Lex. I think she's just, <laughs> so that's, that's just when she needs to go uh, clear her mind. She's like, I, I'm going to clear my mind, but also rub it in to my brother. Uh, okay, so the next one is, what do you think Lex was doing during this week's episode? Going on a date with pencil skirt or trying to poison Lena's horses? So I guess this is maybe, an, a, like, this is, like, part of the first snap judgment. Uh, so so what, what do you think, Morgan? What was Lex doing? I feel like he was going on a date with pencil skirt. They went out to, like, uh, a Ben and Jerry's, and they're getting some chocolate peanut butter ice cream. <laughs> what if they went out on a date, and the date was riding lena's horses oh my god ultimate betrayal <laughs> uh, no i'm gonna go going on a date with pencil skirt uh this next set of snap judgments is from brandon the first one is lena seeing her real mother be the leader of leviathan or the leader of leviathan being mercy graves <gasps> oh don't make me choose between mercy graves and uh, katie mcgraw and a series of wigs <laughs> All right, I'm committing. I'm committing my to my theory. I'm gonna say Lena as real mother as the leader of Leviathan. I don't think Mercy Graves is a techno organic species, <laughs> so I'm gonna say uh, her real mother, who is the leader of Leviathan. All right, so the second one from Brandon is who would win in a fight, Eve or Hope? <laughs> but if they were both in two separate Eve bodies, so you would have to separate them out. So it'd be like Eve versus Eve. So which one would you pick? Oh my God, it's. It's definitely going to be Hope. She is cold-blooded. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hope probably knows Eve's moves already. Like, she's already calculated the way Eve is going to move. So I, I, I think I'm going to give it up to Hope for this one. Uh, so the next snap judgment is from at Pretty Girl Ninja. Will Alex investigate Jeremiah's death, or will she say she'll find out what happened and then never try? <laughs> I feel like to, I feel like to be consistent, she should be like at the gravesite going, "I'll don't worry, Dad. I'll never forget you. I'm gonna find out what happened to you, and I'm gonna make those people pay." And that should be the only scene we ever have of her mentioning it. <laughs> I never thought about the potential storyline that like Jeremiah's death could send her on a mission to find his killer, but we know that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> So I'm going to also say uh, she'll find out what happened and never tried. That does seem <laughs> character correct. 
Uh, okay, so we have some snap judgments from Abby. What shirt would you have chosen for Kara's date? Blue or purple? I think I'd go blue. It's like a, it's a Supergirl color. It's a super color. I agree with that, but I thought she should have gone with the purple, which she did in the episode. Yeah, it was a really good color, purple. <laughs> I think it looks good on her. I think, I, so. I, I mean, I think blue looks good on her as well, but I, I liked the purple in this situation. So uh, that's what I would choose. So my choice was correct, even though she, she asked Alex for her opinion, but she was like, meh. Whatever, I'm not going to go with what Alex said. So that was uh, interesting. Uh, so <laughs> here's here's a kind of a long one. So we have to really dive deep into this one from Abby. Okay. Now that it has been previously established that one of you is a secret ghostwriter for the show, we all know <laughs> that one is Morgan. Uh, what, oh, <laughs> what if the other is a secret description writer? And they also know Jean's long lost secret. <gasps> so this whole time it's been like the Friends episode of they don't know that we know that they know. So this snap judgment is, would you rather stay in the dark with your secret writing positions so you can eventually give us Director Bones and William as Comet the Super Horse or break your secret contract so you tell all your listeners what Jean's secret is? So if you knew, <sighs> if you knew and you were the secret description mm. writer, would you stay in the dark so you could still work behind the scenes and give us all the things we want, like Director Bones and William being Comet? Or would you just break it and say, screw it, I don't care what anybody's going to do to me, and I'm going to tell everybody what Jean's secret is? I mean, such a dark secret. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, w I want Director Bones, um, and I, I, like, I really want William to be, to be a majestic horse. So <laughs> I'm I'm staying I'm staying in the dark. I would stay in the dark as well. I want to work from within and make sure <laughs> all of the things that we want to see on the show happen. I think that would be uh, way uh, way more worth it because you could also maybe put a little, you know, uh put a little thing out there saying, "Hey, also maybe follow up on Jean's secret." You could still work that in. So I think you get the best of both worlds. So we have some snap judgments from Danae. The first one is, what would you choose for a first date? Going to play pool or do an escape room? I would choose going to play pool because I think that escape room might be too high stress of a situation for a first date. Like, what if, what if you... What if he is a competitive or she is a competitive person? What if you are a very competitive person? <laughs> do you want to find that out on the first date? Like, do you, like, what if you're not a very competitive person? You're just kind of chill with whatever, and they're a very competitive person. And now there's, like, a lot of yelling and crying. And, like, you don't want to find that. Let's wait until a couple dates in before that happens. Yeah, I, th I think escape rooms are definitely not first date material. I think that's kind of down the line and also escape rooms i think are better with groups so i don't yes, even i don't definitely. even know if that's a good date material anyway so i would go playing pool that seems a, a lot less stressful and a lot more fun i feel like if you can escape an escape room with two people you guys are both geniuses yes probably. <laughs> yes <laughs> give it up to you on that it definitely requires a lot of thinking from many people all right, so the next one is, which VR experience would you like to see for Alex? Being a mom because it takes her so long to get there in the real world or being a doctor so she could get her Lexi Gray on? I think Lexi Gray, like, especially if they could, like, 
uh, they could approximate the set of Grey's Anatomy for her like fictional hospital setting. That would be really funny. I think I would pick the the mom situation just because they've they've put it out there and they've never done anything with it. So I would at least like to see what that looks like. So I would go with the uh, the mom scenario. Okay, so the next one is if you could go into the VR experience uh, life as a Supergirl character, who would you choose between Kara and Alex? If you could go into the VR as Kara or Alex, who would you choose? Hmm. Um, Kara. I would also choose Kara. Uh, if you could choose between Lena Luther or Hope, who would you choose? Ooh, like one in one scenario, I am a robot. <laughs> um. But in the other scenario, I'm Lena. Lu- Do I get? I mean, I get her wardrobe too, I, right? I think you can choose whatever you want to wear in the VR. That's true. Lena Luther, then. <laughs> you would be shoulders I'm getting, out. I'm getting all them this. shoulders out. <laughs> <laughs> you would you would go back and hit that virtual Las Vegas with the, the shoulders. I would be like, I'm out on the town now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would be so good. Uh, I think. Uh, Ooh, that's tough. I would maybe go as Hope, I think. I think that would be... I would want to see what Hope would do with the technology aspect of the VR world. Because Hope maybe could create other murder houses. (laughs) You could create a whole series of murder houses. You could franchise the murder house. (laughs) (laughs) She could cause a lot of problems for Kelly's uh, engineering group. Uh, okay, so if you could go into the VR experience, would you want to be Pam from HR or Director Bones? Ooh. Well, Pam from HR knows everything, but Director Bones is made of bones. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a tough one. You know what? I want to be Director Bones. I want to know what it's like to just be a, a, a skeleton that walks around and uh, chomps on a cigar and looks at pictures of himself. Yeah. As Director Bones, you could relive your glory days as, like, the best villain ever. So yeah, I, I think uh, I would pick Director Bones as well. Okay, so the last VR choice here. If you could go into the VR to experience life as a Supergirl character, who would you choose between Comet the Superhorse or Spike the Dragon? I think I'm going to go with Spike the Dragon. I, I want to fly. Uh, well, Comet the Superhorse can fly. Oh, I forgot. Hmm. I'm still sticking with Spike the Dragon. <laughs> he can breathe fire. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oof. Comet the well, I guess they both transform from one thing to a, to the other. But then Spike, like when he's not a dragon, he's like a beloved pet, and I feel like he's probably treated pretty well. He probably gets like all the little, like kibbles and stuff that he he wants. So <laughs> that's true. He's got a little girl who it's takes good large. care of him. <laughs> uh, mm, this is tough. I you know I'm gonna give it up to Comet the Superhorse because <laughs> you could get to pal around with Crypto and Streaky. That's true. You have a whole crew. Okay, so we have a snap judgment from at Danvers Girls. What was Jeremiah up to before he died? Did Leviathan make him work for them, just like Cadmus did? Or was he hiding the secret that he is actually Comet the Superhorse? What if it turns out everyone on this show is Comet the Superhorse? <laughs> it's like, I, I am all, like, I am Spartacus. Like, everybody's Comet. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, working for Leviathan, like Cadmus. Just because we all know that that Comet is romantically linked <laughs> with Kara. And so I don't like where that goes. Yeah, that's a little creepy for uh, Jeremiah Danvers to be Comet. So I would also say uh, working for Leviathan. 
Okay, the last snap judgment we have for this episode is from Anna. So, uh, this, oh, Anna, this is what 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 have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so Anna asks, "How did Jeremiah Danvers die?" Anna. <laughs> Slowly as he called out for someone to save him as he wandered lost and alone in a forest for years surviving off of rainwater and tree bark. Or was he living a happy, peaceful life in the forest for years with a deer companion? He's with Bambi! Who he raised after its mom was killed by a hunter. I can't, I can't, I'm crying. Before dying, before dying, pushing the deer to safety as an incoming car hit him instead. (laughs) Um, wow. Anna, that was incredible. Um, obviously I'm going the Bambi scenario. (laughs) Where he raises this little deer. Uh, and then saves him from an incoming car. I mean, that's that's heroic. That's <laughs> that's the Jeremiah Danvers I know, and you know we've never seen on the show. <laughs> I'm glad he I'm glad he spent his time in the woods doing something productive, raising a family of deer. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Why did they kill off this character? He had so much potential. Oh, so many good jokes just gone. <laughs> Uh, I will also uh, pick the deer companion scenario. I like oh, the idea of that. Wow. It tears. <laughs> so good. No judgments on your snap judgments. Okay, well, thank you everybody for those intense snap judgments <laughs> and for all of your thoughts and feedback on Reality Bites. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure you call and write in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That is the deadline for feedback. If you do not send it in by then, uh, we unfortunately can't use it on the podcast because we record shortly thereafter. Uh, You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Radio. And uh, we're doing a lot of stuff on Instagram, so check us out there. Uh, You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser and DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if you're like, that is so much information... Uh, just go to supergirlradio.com and you can find all of the links on the right side of the page there. And now we throw it over to the Macho Man for the DC TV plugs. Oh yeah, this is the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow 
at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Dig it. You can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and that's basically what I want to tease and, and plug for this week. Um, uh, a lot of my stuff that I normally plug is kind of in a hiatus mode for right now. So uh, you can check out my Instagram. Uh, you could also go to YouTube and search for UA Museums. A lot of the content that I've been creating for my job is there. So there's a lot of cool videos about what the uh, museums are doing. I've got a couple of videos in the works. So uh, if you want to see my editing and stuff that I've shot, that's a good way to check it out there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which um, I think we've got one this week, and then I think it's going to go on hiatus, and we're going to you know, be quarantined, so we're going to probably try to think up some, uh, some fun content for the hiatus weeks to sort of tide us all over until we get new episodes of Legends, because I know that the... Uh, the whole Corona thing has has thrown their production schedule into a little bit of a tailspin as well. So check us out on uh, on uh, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. If you don't watch the show, guess what? You can still listen to the podcast. Uh, Rebecca recommends it. <laughs> I highly do. Um, what I think you should do as someone who listens to the podcast but does not watch the show, I think you guys should do like a retrospective on Ray Palmer. Uh, since he is um, leaving the show, right? Yeah, yeah, he is leaving the show. Unfortunately, not uh, Brandon Routh's decision, but <laughs> he's going. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, he's you know such a good character on that show. That's a good idea. That could be one of the things that we do. I I think you should do it. I think that would be a good way to. Um... Remember the character. Pour one out for Ray Palmer. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode on Reality Bites. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And yeah, sometimes being the good guy sucks. But it's a good thing to strive for. 